This episode is brought to you by our Hosting Handbook mini course. Whether you're already hosting guests on Airbnb or you're still trying to soak up as much knowledge as you can, this course is the ultimate cheat sheet. It can transform your hosting from hobby to business. Get our coveted templates that include the welcome book, turnover handbook, and supply closet spreadsheet and other great bonuses you don't want to miss. Our hosting handbook is usually priced at $297, but for a very limited time, you can grab your seat for just $67. Head to www.thanksforvisiting.me forward slash hosting handbook to get all the deets. Now on to the show. You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. All right, listeners, welcome to another great week. I am Sarah Karakayan. I am Annette Grant, and together we are... Thanks Thanks for visiting. visiting. Let's start off this episode like we do every week, sharing one of you guys and your amazing short-term rentals. If you're using our hashtag on Instagram... STR Share Sunday. We we prowl, we we select, and then we share with all of our listeners. Who are we sharing this week, Annette? We are sharing at Vintage in the Vineyard. Oh man. It's so good. Those two words, vintage and vineyard. I'm already, I'm already, my interest is peaked because I'm thinking wine, a good wine. Um you guys have to check out this Instagram. We want to get on the road right now and go stay in Rosie. She's even named. Yes. Uh and she is in Southern California. She's parked on a vineyard. It's a 15-foot-long 1964 Oasis camper. But you guys, it's she's made over this adorable camper. It is too cute for words. If you can guess, Rosie, it's got this pink, very feminine vibe to it. Photographers flock to it. So she's not only making money from it from the overnight stays, but she's also making money from it uh, through content creation for creatives, which is brilliant. She's got her own website. And of course, she's got um, just so many five-star reviews on her Airbnb. We just love how you've created this brand for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosie is adorable. And it looks like it looks like you're killing it, Victoria. Yeah. And we love how Victoria really leaned into the feminine side of Rosie. And she even, you know, through her marketing targets, girls weekends, sleepovers, uh, romantic getaway. So we really like that she pulled out that feminine side and isn't scared to, to fully design around that. So Victoria, we have hearted your listing. You're on our wish list now. Listeners, please go check her out on Instagram and on Airbnb. Heart all the things. And if you haven't yet, please use our hashtag... STR Share Sunday, and we cannot wait to share you on the episode. Yeah. All right, Sarah, I'm going to let you introduce our guest because I have to tell a little story. Sarah introduced me to 
a podcast, Bigger Pockets, and I've been listening to it. But Sarah also introduced me to this guest because she texted me, I want to say, well over a year ago, maybe even two now. And it was, Annette, you have to listen to this episode. You've got to check it out. So we have been fangirling on our guest for quite some time. She's been on our dream list of guests to have on. So Sarah, without further ado, can you introduce our guest today? Yeah. So we have Ziana McIntyre. She is a rock star. She was a guest on the Bigger Pockets podcast, which any of you out there who, and we're learning this about you listeners, so many of you actually are fellow real estate investors. You all know that Annette partners with property uh, developers. Well, I do my best to buy as much property as I can. Um, Well, so does Ziana. And she has been an Airbnb host since 2012. And after eight years of being a short-term rental uh, property manager and consultant, she has transitioned to selling real estate to investors looking to house hack. And what that means is you buy a home that needs fixed up, but you live in it while you do it, or you live down the road Usually if you live in while you do it, it saves you a lot of money. So you can live for free. At 34 years old, she's an avid real estate investor. She owns seven homes, listener, and she manages 15, all on a short to medium term basis. She teaches her clients to create automated hosting businesses and invest with unique strategies through her blog, which we will link in the show notes. Um, It's her first and last name. Uh, Ziana has been to 47 countries in non-COVID years, and she spends half the year in Boulder, Colorado, where she's at today, and the other half traveling the world as an international pet and house sitter. Ziana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for going through all of that. Hey. Well, they need to know. Well, we're going to, you're going to dive in more because um, I know totally. our listeners yeah. are dying to know because um, you have a great story about how you did your first one. And so I would love for you to maybe start there. Yeah, start at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Well, I heard about Airbnb in 2011, if you can believe it, way back in the day. And a friend of mine told me about it that was living in New York. And you know, New York's the epicenter. You just hear about everything first and things are so fast moving. Um, but he had gotten laid off and he was stuck in this really expensive apartment. And he's like, you know what? I'm totally burnt out. I've got to leave the city. I'm going to use this Airbnb site that I heard about and see if I can rent my apartment. Well, he did so well with that, that his three months of fun unemployment, he decided that he was actually going to extend for a year. And after that year, he made $50,000 off of his apartment that he didn't own. So hearing that, I was like, okay, I'm listening. I should better, I should try this, you know? So um, at the time, I was just renting an apartment, a two-bedroom, and I guess lots of people do it this these days, but at that time, it was very foreign, and I had it all furnished, so I just thought, okay, let me just rent out this extra room, see how it goes, and it turned out to be so good that I was renting that room, and then I was renting my room and staying on friends' couches, and eventually got other apartments. So yeah, I built it um, into a whole life. It was just a little side hustle, but it's... It's done me well. Yeah, and yeah. you're still involved in in the short-term rental industry in some regard. So it must be something that you're still very passionate about. Is that true? Yeah, it's so near and dear to my heart. I think I'll always credit Airbnb for literally changing my life. I was able to kind of quote-unquote retire in two years and be financially independent with Airbnb. And it's just not a lot of other ways to do that in this world. So it's pretty awesome. So you own seven properties. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about your first one and how you went from... Because you rented that two-bedroom apartment, you said, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing it for a while where I had that two bedroom apartment. I got another two bedroom apartment. And then I started realizing that I really liked one bedrooms. So I had this one bedroom for a while, kind of in the same complex, actually, as that two bedroom apartment. And kind of just to understand the numbers a little bit, I was paying about 1100 in rent. And that was including most of the utilities and stuff. But I was still making between 1700 and 4000 a month, depending on where you know I was in the season. And so when I decided to buy, I looked at a place five minutes away and the mortgage was actually going to be 900 And it was a one bedroom and it was the same idea. So I was like, okay, perfect. This is like real estate training wheels. Like I'm going to go and buy this other place. I already know all the numbers because I've been running this one five minutes away for two years. And so it was just like a perfect thing to step into. And I think if people want to get involved in real estate, like Airbnb is such a good way to just try before you buy, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, I like the part of your story and I think our, our listeners would be really interested. Can you talk to us about how you made the leap to start remote hosting and buy property in another state? Yeah. So um, I have a friend from high school that was living in St. Louis and for the longest, she was saying, come visit, come visit. And I thought that I would and never really got around to it. And then she ended up getting married. And so I knew I really had to go visit. (laughs) And so this was after I had bought that one bedroom apartment that I was just talking about. So that was like 2014. And I went out to St. Louis in 2015 in, I think, June. And when I went out there for the wedding, I was just kind of chit-chatting with people and saying like, you know, what do you do? And I was saying, oh yeah, I, I do Airbnb. And a lot of them were saying that, oh, our friends do it or it does really well here. We've thought about trying it. But then they got around to telling me that they owned these homes for $300 a month. Like they had these ridiculously cheap mortgages where you can have a three bedroom house with a garage and a yard. And I'm over here paying like over a thousand for like a tiny little, you know, um, apartment. So that just kind of got me going like, whoa, I think I need to try this. So I went home and I thought about it for two weeks and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then two (laughs) weeks later, I bought a home in cash out there. And yeah, now I own four homes in St. Louis. So it's definitely proven to be great for me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Did you ever find a place where you could have a $300 mortgage? Did that happen? Yes. My (laughs) first mortgage was $333. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I... That is amazing. Um, real quick, I do want to backtrack. I should have asked this. Your first sure. home that was the nine hundred dollars. Did mm-hmm. that fa- or the first apartment or the, of your own? Did those numbers parallel what you had previously? The success you had had prior. Yeah, awesome. and it's still just such a wonderful B and B. I lived in it for four years, and I would kind of just be between two apartments and leave as much as I could. Um, but now I still own it and just live, um, you know, maybe 10 minutes away. How oh, cool. But, so yeah. it's still in your portfolio. It's a, it's a totally. legacy. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about remote hosting then. Because sure. I know mm-hmm. that um, I'm very interested in how you made that happen. And I know I'm sure our listeners are. So you went out, you got this $333 mortgage in St. Louis. You do have a bestie there. So that probably helps a little bit. But talk us through getting that set up, starting to remote host. Was there some um, you know, anxiety or just nervousness of not being able to? Everything else you said, it kind of sounds like they were very close on the map where you could get there if you needed to. So talk us through and let us know like how you, how you overcame that and the systems that you put in place. Yeah, so this house was a three-bedroom. And so my initial thought was like, okay, 
how am I going to get someone who's going to show up for these cleans, right? Because that was the thing I was the most worried about is finding someone dependable, especially just in St. Louis is a totally different town and culture than where I was living. And so I decided I would rent one of the rooms to someone at a discount and have them be like the cleaner slash like property manager. Okay. And so that's how I started. And I actually wouldn't recommend that anymore, but I'm happy to like say that that was my little, you know, like training wheel or a lily mm-hmm. pad. It gave me something where I was like, okay, I feel comfortable because I know someone's accountable. Yeah. Sure. So I did that. And I initially, her rent was 250 I eventually had it all the way up to 500 mm-hmm. um, And that was just the one room. And then the two were Airbnbs. And the reason I don't recommend that anymore is because an entire unit rents so much more than individual rooms. And then it's just less turnover and all of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it worked out really well. I think I did that for like two and a half years or something. But just having someone there and then being able to give them like a little extra cash for each clean, it was definitely a win-win. Now, were you still participating really heavily in being the host? Like, were you getting all the messages or did you give that to the live-in host also? How, how hands-on were you still at that No, point? I did everything. It was basically just that she would tell me if supplies were low and I would send them to the house and, you know, let me know if a guest was bad and I had to do like a review or something. But no, I did everything. So, and what I would say about remote hosting is like, really, you just need like a dependable cleaner or two. And nowadays there's like, Airbnb cleaning companies, but back then there wasn't, you Mm -hmm. know, and then having a really good handyman. So Mm -hmm. you just kind of have like a general handyman. You can start really bare bones with just those two things. Let's, let's talk about something maybe, I don't, what, what is kind of a remote hosting? I don't want to say nightmare, but what is a challenge that you've had being remote that you were like, oh man, I just wish I was there and I could take care of it. Is there anything that pops up in your mind? Oh man, it totally happens. It's it's this thing that's so hard to explain, but you just feel helpless. At a certain point, you know, you do everything you can and then you're not sure if you're actually going to be able to accomplish whatever you need to. And so that happens when you want to get a clean done and somebody messed up and then you call like your four other contacts and then no one's actually going to get there. And then it's like, can I just give you some money to clean it yourself? You know, like, it's like, what do you do? Do I cancel? Like, you just start getting creative about it. And mm-hmm. that sucks. Ooh. Because if it was me, I could just run over there and do it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it sounds like it's worth it enough with those numbers. Um, And so can you actually talk to our listeners about that? So, okay, congratulations. The mortgage is $300 a month. But are the, are, you know, as your P&L significantly, you know, on par with what you're making in Colorado, that it makes it worth all that stress of not all that stress, because I'm sure it's it's not once you get a handle on it, anything is doable and, mm-hmm. and, and can be enjoyable. But um, I'm assuming that those numbers were so worth it for you to figure out these systems to get to that pain point. Yeah, totally. Um, I was doing, you know, 1600 to 3000 a month, you know, and so with 300 a month and then maybe yeah. another 300 for, you know, all the utilities and landscaping and stuff. So yeah, it wasn't bad at all. I was always just trying to say like, can I just make a thousand dollars profit a month, you know? And so that, that seemed to be very consistent and easy to do. Yeah. And you went from one bedrooms in Boulder to a three bedroom. It was that just because that's what you could find or you wanted to try the bigger property or is there anything data driven to get the three bedroom over a one? 
Yeah. Well, I knew I wanted a house just because I was worried about HOAs and them being far Mm -hmm. away. And I had already kind of gone to bat for a few people that I was helping out at their HOAs and had a little snafu with mine here. And so I was like, okay, I want to be off the map in that way. And, you know, if you're getting a house, it's going to be two or three bedrooms usually. I actually own two one-bedroom houses, so they exist. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> just random. Um, but yeah, that was kind of just the property that I found. And I'm so lucky because I bought it afar, didn't go to the neighborhood. Like my, Even my agent was in Colorado. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of luck. There's preparing yourself, but dang, so much of my real estate career has been some sweet luck. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I do encourage our listeners to check out your blog. I I think that, and we can talk about this. Uh, Sarah and I laugh about it all the time, and we'll be really honest. Like, you know, we hear of everybody that's like a laptop entrepreneur, and they're on the beach, like you know, sipping mai tais, just watching the money roll in on all their Airbnbs and on their real estate. And um, you mentioned it in one of your blogs. You go to a networking event. It's like, oh, how many doors do you have, and how much money are you making? And everyone, everybody, kind of wants to brag about how easy it is. But um, so, number one, there. Please go read her blog. She just really has talks, talks about some of your flops that you've had and the real side of it. What is what are some of the things, especially now uh, while this is being recorded, still during COVID? Can can you talk about how you've had a pivot throughout the years with Airbnb and currently what's happening? Like, just talk us through how you've had like the the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, and and why you're still so focused on real estate. And I know you're starting a new venture, which is becoming a real estate agent, I believe. So can you just talk us through that a little bit with with our listeners? Because we do know they're all so interested in not only short-term rentals, but their whole entire real estate portfolio. Yeah. So, you know, I started renting places and I think there was one pivot where I just realized like I need to expand. So getting more places was helpful. And that was even just renting other places that I was re-renting. Then I got to that place of realizing like, I can't do it all myself. I think like at first I was really trying to bootstrap it and be like, I'm going to do all the cleaning. I'm going to do all the this, all the, you know, I was the person. And once I started getting a cleaner, which, you know, seems so obvious, but it really allowed me to leverage and getting to the point of owning, owning was a game changer for me because all of a sudden you're actually building all this equity and that, that condo that I bought, I got so lucky, but in the first couple of months, it went up $100,000 in value. And it was just the timing and what was happening here. But I think that really turned on a light for me of like, oh, you got to own these properties because yeah, the cash flow is cute, but like what's going to happen down the road? You know, so there's definitely been a lot of points. And then there was a point where I started co-hosting for people. And so I said like, wow, I can only buy so fast. What if I can start managing everywhere? And that's something I really recommend to a lot of people because it doesn't take much of an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, so I definitely have done these like uh, reinventings of myself every couple of years. And I think just in COVID, I started to realize like, wow, I don't know that there's a lot more space for me to grow an Airbnb. And I decided to get my license and and really like expose more people and help them get into that concept of being investors. So yeah, it's my new play space. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I want to dig into that. So, so right now, are you still co-hosting or are you just taking care of your own properties? I co-host a few. I feel like I'm way more selective now. It's like, I kind of only want to co-host in Colorado. I, at the height of it, I 
I've probably co-hosted over 50 homes in four countries. So I've done a lot of that. And it's great. Once you have your systems in place, it's so doable. But I think also, to be realistic, management is one of the hardest pieces of real estate. You know, you have all the emergencies and the complaints, and especially at high volumes, you're going to hear about that stuff a lot. And so it can get to you after a while. So I definitely think it was incredible and and such a good moneymaker, but it's also wears on the soul yeah. after a while. <laughs> so you're keeping the management side small, crazy boutique, just if your own yeah. and then a few select. Is that is that what it is? Yes. And just those delicious ones. Yeah. You know? Like I have this like beautiful five bedroom brand new house in like Utah and the ski area. You know, like I yeah. if I find those really special ones, I'm like, okay, you can come. Yeah. Welcome to the team. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like I I share Annette and I I, I call Annette almost every day. I'm like, okay, I got another opportunity, but it just doesn't get me excited. And she's just like, then just don't do it. Like it's not. Yeah. You know, it's not worth it. Okay, so you run your own. You manage a very, very select few. Um, and then you got you got licensed. So mm-hmm. talk to us about that. Are you helping only those people? Are you like the short-term rental, vacation rental specialist on a, a real estate team? Or talk to us about how you found, you know, a niche. Yeah, so I'd say I do house hacking for people. So house hacking can be, you know, one person living in a five bedroom house with a bunch of roommates. It could also be having, you know, a basement unit that you Airbnb or an in-law space. It could also be that you have just a really cool one or two bedroom and you leave a lot. So my number one way of house hacking is that we pet sit. And we go stay in the most beautiful places. There's some really cool apps where you can get pet sitting opportunities and you're doing it for free, but you know, we're renting our house for 250 a night. So that's like, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of cool ways to do that. So just kind of getting into people's minds that there's creative ways to become like financially independent or to build a portfolio fast. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And um, I just like that you have continued to pivot and all... Did you have any background in real estate at all? No. Like, was it even on... <laughs> but I, I love that. I enjoy that. Like, was it even on, on your radar? Was there anyone in your family? Was there a friend? Like, keep that really like transparent for us um, because I know our listeners would love to hear to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, neither of my parents really owned property. My dad had a place for like a year and that was kind of my only experience in that. I grew up really poor. And so it just never really seemed that it would be a possibility you know, and I, it's something I always had interest in. My mom was really creative with like decorating and we'd come home from school and she'd have like moved all the furniture around and that was really fun. So I knew that I had an interest there, but I just didn't, I don't know. I, I think I considered being an agent at some point, but never really went that road. And at the time that I started doing Airbnb, I was in massage school. It was like totally different. Um, and I thought, oh, this will just be a side hustle for five minutes. And it just took over my whole life. But yeah, I'm obsessed with real estate. <laughs> so it's wonderful. It's so good. And I feel like you are looking f- personally for a new property, correct? Yeah. So I, oh, I've got a lot of like irons in the fire, but I have a fourplex that I'm closing on in Florida coming up. And it's my first property that will not be a BNB. So that's really an interesting thing. But I think like as I'm maturing in my investments, I'm saying like, okay, what's going to be easiest? Like, mm-hmm. this is a property that I won't manage okay. for the first time. Yes. So I kind of like getting to that place of just saying like, 
easier and easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Will you hire? So then are you getting long-term tenants and then will you have a property manager take care of it? I will. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, sometimes it's like, I could do that better, (laughs) but I'm going to try to just be cool. (laughs) Uh, I have a question though. Have you ran the numbers if it was a short-term rental what it could potentially make. Did you have that uh, that sit down with a spreadsheet? <laughs> I did not do that. Oh, no. Oh, I feel okay. like don't I do don't want to know. Yeah. Okay. No. no, I like that. You were focused. You're like dedicated. I'm going to commit to making this a long-term, a long-term rental. Okay. No, I like yeah, that. Yeah. I think the strategy for me is like when I was buying in St. Louis, what I could afford were the old homes. And St. Louis has, it was like established in the early 1900s. So there's lots of really old homes. And so the homes that I was buying were over a hundred years old and they just need lots of maintenance. And you know, an Airbnb has to be at a standard, you know, mm-hmm. people want everything to work. So I was like, man, can I sell this home and then buy something that's brand new. So all the stuff I'm buying now is new construction, which just seems like easy property manager, no maintenance. So just trying to make my life as easy and pain-free as possible. (laughs) Yes, yes. Let's, um, because we also owe this to our listeners all the time. What are some things that you've learned over your extensive hosting career of how you really can make sure that your guest is having an amazing experience in in your space? What are some pointers that you can give, whether it's a brand new host or a seasoned host? What is that like? If we were, which I wish Sarah and I could be, but if we were out for happy hour with coffee with you and we just started talking all the things hosting, and but we were brand new, you know, what, what are some things that maybe you would t- share with us or even seasoned? Like, hey, I do this and it like crushes it out of the park. Yeah, you know, I think it's like under promise over deliver. It's always that surprise and delight. I think that's what's really lovely, especially for the people that live on the properties. I feel like those are always the best hosting stories when someone's like, oh, I just cut some fresh flowers from my garden and put them in there. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I can't do that because it's, you know, three states away, dang it. (laughs) But you can leave a bottle of wine. You can leave a handwritten note. I love checking in with guests within, you know, even this the first few hours or something and giving them a restaurant recommendation, even if you're doing it automated. And if I ever ask them to do stuff like a trash reminder, I always send some you know, added value with it. So yeah, I think just trying to have a human aspect, even if you're automating things and you're doing it kind of at a high level. So yeah. I, okay. So you just said when you have a request, for instance, let's say you're reminding, don't forget checkouts at 11 a.m. or don't forget to do the dishes or whatever that is. What is that thing that you would that you would turn and give them a positive or I forget how you just worded it. Add value to how, it. Yeah. How would you add value to that message? Because that's very, very interesting to me. Yeah. So trash is a pain point. I don't know if you guys have a lot of homes that are not condos, but trash is like the worst because people forget to take it out and then it overpiles. And then if you live anywhere in the mountains, it's bears. I mean, all that. <laughs> bears. So, <laughs> yeah. And neighbors complain about trash because it'll blow around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. So I always send a trash reminder and um, that's like right after they check in. So maybe the next morning and I always send like with it, you know, check out those great coffee shops too, you know, by the way. So mm. I try to like, if I'm going to talk to them, if I'm bothering them about something, I'm also saying like, 
I know you have a dog. Go check out this dog park or, you know, I try to like, add something. No, that's genius. Yeah. And and be aware of when you're sending it. So if it's in the morning, let them know about a coffee shop or if it's an evening, maybe it's a, I know it's your last night. Check out tomorrow at 11. If you haven't dined at this restaurant yet, make sure you check it out before you, before you leave. That is... I really, really like that because sometimes you do feel like you're parenting, you know, or giving a bunch of rules out. But um, that's that's a great, great suggestion. So, listeners, think about how you can start to implement that today. Okay. Yeah, I, oh, I have an example real quick. Sorry. Yes. So we have a house where um, somebody kind of made the carpet just really dirty. And unfortunately, it takes like eight hours to clean and then have like it dry again. So mm-hmm. we can't get someone in to clean because we're back to back to back. And so I was like, what do I do? <laughs> well, we installed a hot tub. Like that was just part of the plan anyway. So then I didn't promote the hot tub. Uh-huh. So I'm like, so, you know, this has happened and I'm sorry about that. And we can't quite get someone in yet, but we have this great hot tub that we didn't tell you about. Like, so that's been like a thing lately that I'm like, thank God for the hot tub. <laughs> People would have been so mad. So, you know, well, just I, trying. I have, I have a question. What is a, for instance, in your career where you have given a refund or, you know, maybe a gift card, something. What's a, what's a, for instance, of where you feel like you failed the guest in what you had were going to provide? Was it like a long distance cleaning or something didn't get taken care of? Where's an instance where you had to credit or if you ever have given some money back to a guest where you felt like you fell short? Yeah. Oh my God. It happened just recently. I had a miscommunication with a cleaner and then the guest like overstayed checkout. So they were supposed to leave at 11 and I guess they were waiting for the cleaner to come kick them out. Mm-hmm. So they stayed all the way till four when the other person showed up. Oh, no. And so not only were they like still there, like cooking and eating, I was just like, oh God, this is so bad. But luckily those people were hosts. <gasps> and so they were super cool. Oh, wow. um, You lucked out on that one. (laughs) I lucked out. um, And it's a huge house. It's like five bedrooms. But luckily, those people that were there, the guests that overstayed, they only um, booked it for like one day for like a Thanksgiving celebration. Okay. Um, So it wasn't like that used, except in the kitchen. And the lady was super cool. I gave her her cleaning feedback and like maybe partial for the first night. And then I sent her cookies the next day. There we go. I knew she had kids with her and stuff. So... It was a surprise and they were so excited about it. So I, you know, I try to do just little things, but yeah, they saved our butt for sure. Wow. Okay. So this is great though, because listeners, this is going to happen. Some, it, maybe not this oh, specific, yeah, everybody. you know, this specific <laughs> scenario, but something is going to happen. We are humans living a human experience and of course in unprecedented times, but how would this situation happen? Would this situation affected you much different if it was in your early days of hosting versus where you are now? Like, would you have let it ruin like your whole entire month or or have you just transitioned into another spot where it's just like, okay, this stuff, I kind of know something's going to happen every quarter. That's, I'm going to just have to clean up a mess. Do you have a different mindset now? Yeah. You know, I'm really solutions oriented. I'm not, I think for some people it's like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And they're, they're spending all that energy on it. Or like, who can I blame? It's like their fault. And how are they going to make it better? I'm like, how do we fix it? Okay. That's cool. What's next? So that has really saved me a lot of time and energy. And then just like trying to make it right. I think one thing I fall short on just because I'm so direct and trying to get it done is that sometimes people want to just complain to you 
You know, they want to feel heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know the problem. Can we just fix it? And they're not like ready Wait, to that's be me all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You guys need to have like a whole other thing going on over here. Cause I'm like, and listeners, you can't see it, but like Sarah, like, yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, they need to, to hash this one out. <laughs> I'm with you, girl, because you just, you want to get, like you said, it's like with your, with your real estate or with your career, like you just want to get to that next thing. Like I get that. But, and, and that's a thing too that I've learned because we have a boutique hosting company too. And, and it's, it does weigh on you. And that's where we're super selective. Also, I want to walk into all of my short-term rentals and like love being there. But guests want to be heard. Mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah. you just have to close your mouth, let them go at you, you know? And then, and then I learned, I used to work in hotels. I used to, I, you know, you say, I totally understand that the fact that you arrived, there was a guest there and, you know, and it impacted your stay. Like you repeat the problem. You know, right? So you know like you're that they that you are hearing that, them. Appro- yeah, yeah mm-hmm. clearly enough. Well, you're hearing and listening. To I'm them. hearing. I'm a better <laughs> listener. Yeah. Um, okay. So, talk to us about what's next. So you bought a four, or you're you know in contract for a fourplex that you're going to have long term residence in that you're going to have someone else property manage. Are you going to be growing any sort of other Airbnb portfolio stuff? Are you going to keep your Airbnbs where they're at and then grow your your real estate sales aspect. What's what's next for what's next for you? Yeah. So, you know, I'm just gonna tell this little story because I don't know how many of your listeners are investors. And I think it's so good for people to know like what's possible. Yeah. But that first property I bought in St. Louis, I paid seventy two thousand for, you know, the the three bed, two bath. And right now I'm selling it for one thirty. And I'm going to do something, well, 132.50. I'm doing something called a 1031 exchange, which means that you don't have to pay tax on the, the capital gains of the sale. You can just move it over to another property. So that one is allowing me to buy all four of a brand new property coming from a hundred year old property, right? So, like, it's so lovely that that can really like pay in dividends. And not only did it, almost double in value, you know? Yeah. So it's super awesome. I love that about real estate, how it helps you buy more real estate. Yes. So I have that the fourplex and then I have a single family all in the same part of Florida and Ocala. Um, and then after that, or somewhere in between, I um, am really wanting to get a place in Hawaii because I'm from there and my parents never owned there. And I just want a place that's easy for me to visit. So that has to be a BNB. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh gosh, it we will we will put yeah. that we'll we'll put that on our wish list. Uh, <laughs> Place sure. yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Will you buy so, like a? I know in Hawaii, like you, they have a lot of those more condo settings where, of course, you're going to vacation rent them out when you're not there. Or are you going to buy a single family? What are you? What island are you going to buy on? Do you know? Yeah, so I'm going to buy a Maui. Um, that's where I grew up. And what I'm looking at is um, it's not very B&B friendly. I'm, I don't know if you've heard that, but Hawaii, they they have some select places that are okay, but then the HOA fees are like $1,000. You know, it's crazy. So I'm going to do more of the medium-term renting. And I don't know if you guys do a lot of that, but like the, the nurses and travel nurses are really popular there. You know, if you're coming from 
Omaha and you're like, I'm going to be a travel nurse. Where do you want to go? Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that's pretty perfect. And you can make a pretty good amount with that. So basically my goals with that, I know if I short term, short term, or it was three nights or so, it would be a lot more money, but I just want it to pay for itself. You know, that and a little bit extra and I'm, I'm a happy camper. So I want to go stay there for two months a year and live for free. So that's the plan. Yeah. That sounds so nice. (laughs) And we have to, just because of the time that we're in right now, there's two topics that I want to touch on really quick is number one, how have you pivoted your properties during COVID? Did you take on some, I think I read on your blog, you have brought on some more midterm leases. So can you share with our listeners how you've navigated COVID with your properties? Yeah. It's funny because maybe like March 10th, I was on a podcast and I was like, no, it's not hurting us at all. And then like March 14th, it was like all the booking. End of time. the calendar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> so that was rough at first, but it was so interesting because maybe right away, people started booking these two-week quarantines. They were like, oh, I'm coming back from international travel. I can't go see my family. So it started happening, but it was so discounted at first that it's still was kind of rough as a host to lose these like really big bookings, especially going into what for a lot of people is a busy season, that mm-hmm. spring and summer. So yeah, that was kind of rough. And I started doing more uh, midterm and I actually love that. I, I think it's way better. So I think what I love about it is, you know, you know, they're employed if it's, if it's nurses. And so that's great. You don't have to worry about that. There's no kind of eviction problem there. And then People are really learning a house in the first three days. So they're asking you all the questions. And if you're doing Airbnb, it's like three days, three days, three days, and it's nonstop questions. If you've got a nurse in there, it's like the first three days and then you don't hear from them for like three to six months. Like, great. Cleanings. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. So I have kind of been going back and forth depending on the properties that I'm managing. And I, yeah, I do a lot of both. Plus, I think the last thing that I love about the medium term is now they've been kind of going around and making everything illegal for Airbnbs. There's just so many states where there's all these rules or cities that have their regulations, but nobody says anything about 30 day plus. Right. So it's like, you can just skate under the radar Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of competition in that space. Right. And and Sarah and I talk all the time, like that space is, I think there's so much growth there because work from home is yeah. now going to be normal and people are going to have a laptop lifestyle where they truly, unless if they're not an internet entrepreneur, they, they can have a nine to five job and still be able to travel to multiple places a year because they're going to be able to work from anywhere or their home from anywhere. So we're excited to see how that landscape changes continually. Next question. Oh, wait, wait before you oh, go on that, yeah. real quick, are you just leveraging then Airbnb for oh, your yeah. midterm stays or are you finding other websites that are doing serving you well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really like Furnished Finder. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys use that, but what's cool about it is they don't charge like the percentage fee. Airbnb is now turning to that 15% mandatory, which kind of sucks. They've been talking about it for years and now they're really doing it. But um, Furnished Finder is $100 for the year. Mm. And it's basically like lead generation. They just send you leads of all these people that have searched their site. But it's great because if you have maybe five properties in the same area, you only have to list one. And then you email people with all five. Right. And what I also like is you can email them the Airbnb links and it adds the SEO because you're getting the clicks. 
Right. So oh. it's, you get more bookings when you have more clicks and more favorites, which is why I thought it was so brilliant that you guys do that. You know, everybody favorite this uh, vintage yeah. uh, on the vineyard, yeah. which I'm going to look up. I wrote it down. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It helps them get so many more bookings. So um, yeah. Okay. So clicks, you did, so important. you did utilize Furnish Find finder and for, yeah. for your for your nurses. No, that's awesome. Another thing I saw on your blog, and I think our listeners would be really interested in this, is you used to list on booking.com and it looks oh, like you have I hate them. you have okay. Yeah. Talk, no. You should see your share, face, yeah. you guys. <laughs> share share that with us and with our listeners on why you used to to list there and no longer do. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. So I don't know how many people like there was there was a phase in, in the management space where people were just like, how many sites can I be on? But what they didn't realize is that every time you're on a site, even if you have a really good um like property management software, you still have to learn the back end of each website. And so Airbnb is like I, I compare it to like Mac. You know, right. it's so and like, it's just easy to intuit everything. It's so easy to find. It all is great. Then you go to like VRBO and it's like, it's a little clunky, but like it works. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Right. Dang. Booking.com <laughs> is <just> broken. <laughs> that is broken. I don't know. Okay. It's hard. Do you guys use it? No. We, oh, we've always adopted recommend. the theory of like, we're really good at Airbnb. So what? You know what I mean? Like in our properties are always at our occupancy rate. So we just... It's you know what I mean? Good, yeah. Be- between that and direct bookings, we've only done those. But I love wow, that you're being you honest about booking. Wow, you haven't even ventured to VRBO. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. Well, we have uh, one thing. I think one thing to let you know is for for Verbo or you know X yeah, VRBO. <laughs> Where our properties are um, is more of an urban setting and smaller properties. Yeah. So yeah. when it comes, it like really crazy. isn't like vacation rental at all. Yeah. And I have tried Verbo before, and I'm not even gonna lie, I got to like the listing part and no, just said like forget a, it. Like what you just said, like I was like, why is this so difficult? Like I, you have every, to write like a. It just like you like Airbnb just makes it bite size mm-hmm. when you're like doing your listing. Where Verbo, it's like. So we'll do that at some point in time. But yeah, it was one of those things I was just like, you know what? Everything else is crushing it. Why am I even trying Why? to make this more yeah. complicated? And I yeah. I got frustrated and it was just like, whatever. I just kind of Gave never up. pressed. Yeah, less purpose. Like, yeah, I'm out of here. So that's the, that's the it verbal story. It actually makes it so confusing because you have to be your own like payment processor and do all this kind of stuff that you don't have to do on Airbnb. Mm-hmm, right. You just collect the funds and... And then that opens up a whole nother can of worms is that when you're dealing with payments, you're also dealing with so much fraud. Mm-hmm. There is so much fraud out there and it, yeah, it can be really messy. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend it. Keep <laughs> what's doing good. Just keep if working, working on that. Yeah. Keep, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm not saying not to like look at what's new and exciting and see if mm-hmm. it might work for your business. But at the same time, if it's not broke, don't fix it and maybe find another way sure. to surprise and delight your guest or you know what I mean? Or like another service you can offer a guest who's already staying there as a way to make more money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For sure. And then we always feel like there's so much, we have so much room for improvement just on the Airbnb listing side <laughs> that it's always. like, oh man, we got to, you know, do better here. So, um, but yeah, I was, yeah. I was interesting to see your booking.com that you were, cause that again, when you were talking about kind of like the braggadociousness, we run into that like, oh, I'm on, if, if, there's other competitors in the city. They're like, well, we'll have you on every booking site. And we're like, well, is that necessary to be on every booking site? So yeah. um, that's kind of a badge of honor that some people like to to throw out there, but it doesn't, they never give us any statistics on 
if those other sites are really working for right. them. And I think it does depend kind of where you're, what territory or what location location you're in. So yeah, uh, next question. Airbnb is IPOing here soon and going yeah. public. Do you think that's going to impact what it means to be a host? And is it going to impact being a host? Is it going to impact being a guest? Or is it just it's time for them to IPO? And do we do you celebrate what that? IPO is? Uh, sure. I mean, I wish I even knew what IPO stands for, but I just know like they're becoming a public company. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's an initial public offering. Thank you. There, there you go. We go. Um, and they're just taking that next step. I'm thinking, hey, the, the early investors want their money back now, but it's also it's time for Airbnb to kind of put their, you know, to grow up, if you will, and become public. So I, I think it's interesting timing for sure. But how are you? Bad are you, timing, okay. I think. <laughs> Poor guys, because they were just building up this business to be as expensive as they could, you know, Make sell it. it at. And now they've taken such a dive. So I don't, I don't think it's interesting timing, but... I personally don't cherry pick stocks. So I have a few friends that are like, oh my gosh, we're going to definitely buy a bunch. I probably won't. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a mistake, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, I don't think it's going to change hosting. I mean, it might change our fees some. It is interesting that they're doing that 15% switch thing now. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I do think that there's been a lot of soullessness from Airbnb for a really long time. I don't know how long you guys have been hosts, but maybe like four years ago, they kind of did the switch where like every time you were doing some kind of um, claim on a guest, it was really host-sided. They were really protecting the host. Mm -hmm. And then it really switched to this place of like, actually the guest is who's paying the money and forget you guys as hosts. And hosts were getting really just like left with the short end of the stick. So I think more and more, even after COVID, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you call in for help, you can sometimes not get anybody. Well, you get you someone who's get like, through. you get someone who's like an ambassador and you like state your problem and they say it back to you and they give you like a, a solution that has nothing to do with the exact problem that they repeated back. You're like, that's not, I don't need help with that. That's, that's not helpful at all. It, yeah, it's been yeah. not great. I think they've been beat up a little bit during during COVID, if you... (laughs) I get it. But the, I mean, really all they are is a marketing platform and Mm -hmm. customer service. Like Mm -hmm. you got to have the customer service because it's very, being a host is a very lonely job. It's nice that you guys have each other, but Mm -hmm. there's one of those things where you're just kind of like out here in the world on your own, making it up. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you don't at least have them to call when stuff hits the fan, like you do. Yeah. So I hear you. And so what do you think the solution is for that? You know, a lot of guests we've had on who have been hosting or co-hosting for several years are now just because of COVID, fine, I'll get direct booking site. Let's figure this out. Let's let's leverage our email list. Let's see if we can get guests to come back on our own. Is that something that you're kind of suggesting to your clients that you consult with? Or like, what are your thoughts on direct bookings and kind of just taking matters into your own hands? Yeah, I don't love direct bookings for three nights. If it's a month, yeah, great. Like I'm happy to do a lease or just take a small deposit or whatever. But um, three nights, I mean, I've definitely gotten burned from that. And it's like, how much money are you actually saving? Because you're just not protected. So it's tricky. I Yeah, I have not really grown that direct booking space. I have the capabilities to do that, but it just hasn't turned into much for me. And so maybe you guys have figured that out better. But um 
I do have a lot of repeat guests that come back and that's the time that I'll do it mm-hmm. direct. But on the, on the onset, I always just feel like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like very suspicious. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. No, that's, and I think everyone, and then, so listeners too, if, if you're wondering, well, you know, I think you'd have to, you have to dive in, figure, learn what direct booking means to you and your, wherever you're at, how long your stays are and see if it's something that you're willing to explore. Cause I, I you know, I, there are many different ways that you can like figure this out, but yeah, it's it's been a different world since since March fourteenth or fifteenth yeah. or sixteenth. <laughs> Things have changed all over the place, but I mean, I think travel's going to come back with a vengeance, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're going to stick around and and see it through. And it sounds like it sounds right. like you are too. So. Yeah, I'm actually curious for you guys because this happens for me. If you've owned properties a long time or managed them, it's like they need updates every like about a year and a half. Some of the furniture starts to fall apart. And normally my update would have been right around April and I was supposed to do the St. Louis and do all four houses. And so now it's like... I kind of like when people check in, I go like, is it okay? (laughs) I feel so bad about it. Have you guys run into any of that? Or are you like local and can deal with it? We're, I think we are local, but I have gotten caught in probably stretching things longer than I should have on certain amenities. Are you speaking specifically like about sheets and towels or like couches? What kind of get dig in a little bit on the refresh? Yeah, I'm talking furniture just because after a while, couches start to look just sad. You know, they get like a little, they get all wrinkly and weird. And so I've sort of realized that like every year and a half, just you got to do some things. And Mm -hmm. it's not always the couch, but it might be some of the side chairs with like weird colored stains that Mm -hmm. just don't come out or, you know, rugs, whatever. Well, it's funny because even if you, like, like you said, it's not everything. Right, listeners? So like if you go into a space and you do refresh the couch or you refresh the sitting, like the, the chair... It kind of makes the rest of your space just feel new. Mm-hmm. Maybe you swap out a few art pieces or or whatever, and it, it kind of freshens up the space. But I actually just sent an email out to all of my um, owners and kind of just said, okay, it, we're, it feels like March again because all these cancellations are coming in, at least where in Ohio we're at. It's pretty cold and the virus is running rampant. And so I said, you know, we know how this feels. Now's the time. Let's get in there and do some maintenance. If we want to do some painting, we did some baseboard painting the other day at one of our places. We're going to be, I told one of my cleaners, let's make this the month of vents. You know, like make sure, make sure every single vent has been like taken down. You know, let's get the HVAC guy in there. So like things like that too. Yeah. It's tough on the money, but I may not own the spaces, but my owners own the spaces. And I try to only align myself with owners who care much about their investments as I care about their investments. And so a lot of them are like, yes, let's do that. How can we... Because, you know, home ownership, whether it's an investment or not, you want it to last you Mm -hmm. and to be a safe space. So uh, now's a great time to get in there and do those things that it's hard to do when things are rocking, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine you guys could pivot well to nurses and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Columbus, yeah. There's Columbus, like, Columbus oh, Ohio. There's so I've many. I've looked into buying there. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's bring a, it on. I moved from New York City to Columbus just for the real estate opportunities three years ago. So it's awesome. been, it's been good. No, and nurses are here, and we actually a have lot a lot of people who are work. Families are here, so they're. I'm gonna hang out in Columbus for three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me Is hang it? out in your rental, and you're like, fine. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. And listeners, when you are going back for a second on um, refreshing things, Sarah and I always teach to quarterly take out 
some of your earnings and reinvest it back into your business. If you are, I don't want to say a regular business, but if you are a business owner, you're always going to take a portion of your profits and reinvest it in your business. And so we always suggest quarterly taking some profits reinvesting back into your business. And so maybe it might mean taking all of your quarterly profits and buying a, a large piece, but it could be just quarterly new sheets, new towels, new, you know, new throw pillows, stuff like that. But that's what we teach is quarterly, always have that bucket, a portion of your profits that go reinvest back into the business. Because hopefully, you know, over time, um, your reviews will stay high, your occupancy rates will stay high, and those profits will continue to, to come in. So... Um, well, Deanna, like, so yeah. I started hosting in 2012. And like you, I said, like, before Airbnb was cool, you know? Yeah. Totally. Um, and we've Nobody had a, knew what I was talking about. <laughs> yes. Well, and we had such a nice, like, I mean, it was like, no one knew what we were doing, but like some Europeans or like Aussies did, and they would come to New York and stay in my Airbnb. It was great. Great, 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 great. Making tons of money. And then, you know, March 2020 hits. And okay, okay so now as hosts, we're experiencing what a lot of business owners, I would dare I say every business owner experiences, which is just a downtime, mm-hmm. um, a downturn. Yeah. And either you decide to move on to a different venture or you stick it out and you figure out how you're going to come back when when travel does come back because it will. It's Survive before. and thrive. Correct. Right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why I started on that tangent, but I did. Do you have any other questions? Reinvest. 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 Yeah. Just like, you know, I just love how you're planning to buy in Hawaii and it's it's tough to buy there in certain circumstances, but you're going to make it work, I think is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, um, I'm actually getting my real estate license in Hawaii as well. So I'm licensed to Colorado where I normally live, but also Hawaii, because if you're a licensed agent, like for the price point I'm buying, I'm probably going to save like 15,000 right off the top. Nice. So it's like all those little things where you're like, it's only 60 hours of studying. Why not? 15,000? <laughs> Why I not do it? it that quick? Let's do it. Oh, there <laughs> yeah. that's, that's math that makes sense. That is math sure. that makes sense. <laughs> cool. So where can our listeners find you if they want to check you out? I know it's Bigger Pockets episode 229, right? I think you did Great. A, you did an yeah. awesome episode there, but where else can they connect with you and follow you and reach out? Yeah. So my, my website's the easiest place where I have a blog there, ziannamcintyre.com. I also am on Instagram, ziannamcintyre real estate. So it's very long, but you can find it. Yeah. Those are my best places to find me. And if you want to leave our listeners with like one final either tip or something to think about or just carry on with Words them. Words of encouragement. Whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to leave our listeners with. They're all ears. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, for me, I say just get started. That's such an easy way to try it. So many people that are not doing Airbnb yet, maybe they're just trying to find this podcast and get started. It's like, put up like even just creating a profile for your web for your um, house gives you so much information, you know? And so getting started there is a really great way to do it. And then if you're wanting to invest in real estate, Airbnb is those great training wheels. Again, it teaches you about numbers and what you can earn and what the possibilities are. So it's like, I just think so many people sit on the sidelines for years and years waiting for perfect timing. Just go, just try it. You're going to make your mistakes, but do all your research as, as much as you can and then get going. So yeah, happy to help people if they have 
questions about that. And yeah, I love that you guys are in Columbus. That's a Seems like a great spot. Yeah, it is. It's good. Well, we are so thankful for your time. We hope um, listeners, you know, listen to this episode a couple times. Check out your blog because we got lost in it in a good way. Lost in it. Sorry, <laughs> and just kept reading and reading. So we can't thank you enough. And we'll have to have you back on once you get your Hawaii property and see how yeah. that goes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, listeners. Thanks for tuning in for another great week. I'm Sarah Karakayan. I'm Annette Grant. And together we are... Thanks Thanks for for visiting. visiting. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers. We've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember, sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting. Ever wonder what it would be like to have personalized guidance from Annette and me? Imagine achieving the same incredible results we helped Amy achieve, increasing her overall revenue by a staggering 187% by diving into her biz numbers. Or perhaps you'd love to boost your hosting business like Miranda, who added a fantastic $10,000 by refining her pet policy. Well, here's a scoop. There's only one way to get that one-on-one support from Annette, myself, our expert coaches, and our industry pros is by attending our on-demand workshop. Trust us it's worth it. During the workshop, we'll make an offer to all of our attendees to join our membership. Once you're a part of our exclusive membership, you'll gain access to our elite community of hosts in our private Facebook group. This is where the magic truly happens. Members are engaging in discussions about their business numbers, occupancy rates, how to handle guest challenges, and providing unwavering support to one another. Plus, we will have live coaching calls to help you dive deeper into portfolio growth, team building, marketing, and so much more. Don't wait any longer. Head on over to www.hostmasterclass.com right now to secure your spot and embark on this exciting journey with us. That's www.hostmasterclass.com. Trust us, you won't regret it.